good morning, Gateway family. Good morning. It's great to see you this morning. Find Psalm number 67. Psalm number 67. What was just sung by Justin, what Bruno was praying, all is really in a, a perfect precursor to what we're looking at this morning. So in looking at the Psalms, the Psalms have been pushing us and growing us and thinking the way God wants us to think. The Psalms help correct our thinking to think correctly about things like who God is. Just think last week what Seth showed us about God's power and his presence and his might and all those things. The Psalms push us to realize that God cares for us and helps us remind us that God shepherds us and guides us and uses his word in our lives and convicts us. We've seen how the Psalms have pushed us to think correctly about the world and the brokenness of the world and the lostness of the world. But I hope you're also seeing that the Psalms push us to think correctly about our own lives. Like we saw last week, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. We see our calling, and we'll spend several, the next several weeks looking at our calling to worship God and to praise God. But the Psalms also push us this morning to look at what our priorities are to be. I hope you've been seeing in recent weeks, we've been looking at some of the mission themes of the Psalms, that our lives are not just about my life and my story, or your life and your story, and my life and my wants, and your life and your wants. But God has made us for something much bigger than just us. As Seth showed us last week, he's planned the content of our days for a purpose much bigger than our own selves. So what is the big purpose of our lives? Well, think back to what we saw in Psalm 46 just a few weeks ago. Do you remember Psalm 4610? Brad's going to put it on the screen for us because this was really a key for a lot of what we've seen. I actually want us to read this together out loud, okay? Say this one with me. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Now, if you remember several weeks ago when we started looking at Psalm 46, that be still is a rebuke. It's not just a, I would think of a mountain stream, but this is a rebuke to God's people that they need to stop and they need to know, they need to commit themselves to God's purpose of being glorified in the whole world. That our lives are about this happening. Our lives are about us not living for ourselves and doing what we would do, but we're to be still and commit ourselves to God being exalted among all the nations of the world. We saw several weeks ago that God stirs our hearts for that longing. That's not something you and I naturally feel. We're naturally very self-centered, but God and the Holy Spirit within us stirs us to begin to long for that, to long for him to be worshiped and glorified in all of the earth. Now, what's next? God stirs our heart with it. What happens after he starts to stir our heart? That's where Psalm 67 comes in. It's almost like a part two in the progression of thought here. God's stirring our hearts. He's burdening our hearts to see him worshiped in the whole world. Now, what do we do about it? Well, Psalm 67 gives us the answer of what's next, what do we do about it. It has everything to do with our blessings. That may be kind of a strange connection for us. God says, I want to be glorified and worship the whole earth, and I'm going to show you what your part is, so I'm going to talk about blessing you now to make that happen. What do our blessings have to do with the stirring for the nations? So before we get to Psalm 67, I want to ask a simple question for us. Why does God bless us? Why does God bless us, his people? Now, we all want blessings. I'm assuming there's no one here today who would say, I do not want to be blessed by God. I'm assuming we all want to experience it. We pray like we wanted God to bless us. We pray for blessings of health and blessings of peace and blessings of material things and so much more. We ask God for his blessings. And in fact, what we're coming to today in Psalm 67 is a prayer of God's people asking for God to bless them. But there's a particular reason they want God to bless them. And so like the other Psalms is going to push us to look at our heart. Why should we want God to bless us? And what do we do with the blessings God gives us? So we come to Psalm 67. There's the two big things I want you to be looking for as we read. Why should we want God to bless us? 
And then what do we do with the blessings that he does give to us? So can I ask you to stand, please, in honor of the reading of the Word of God? Psalm number 67 this morning, I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. The words will also be on the screen. To the choir master with stringed instruments, a psalm, a song. Verse 1, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Selah, that your way may be known on earth. Your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Would you pray with me? Father, we're so thankful for your word. But I'm thankful for what we've already sung, what's already been prayed today, how really it's all so consistent with what we see here in Psalm number 67. So I pray now, O Lord, as we look at Psalm 67, that your word would come alive to us. Thank you for the precious gift of your word that, Lord, you've not hidden yourself from us, but God... You've revealed yourself to us and shown yourself to us. And I pray today your inspired word would come alive to us. I pray your Holy Spirit would fill each one of us and give us eyes to see and ears to hear and heart to receive the truth of your word this morning, Lord. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So from Psalm 67, why does God bless us? This is the big thing I want you to see this morning. God gives us blessings not for our selfish gain. He gives them so we can make him known. Why does God bless us? He blesses us not for our own selfish gain. He gives us blessings so that we can make him known. Because that completely flips, turns on its head the way we typically think of God's blessings. It also changes why we ask for God's blessings. God gives us blessings not for us to use whatever we want to do with them. They're not just for us to gain our stuff for ourselves. He blesses us for a very specific reason. And our text makes it very clear. He gives us blessings upon blessings upon blessings so that we can make him known. Where we are in Montgomery, in our schools, in our job, workplaces, in our neighborhoods, but also to the uttermost parts of the world. God gives us blessings, not for selfish gain. He gives them so we can make him known. Let's think about it. Let's begin with this idea of God blessing his people. This is an absolutely incredible thought to begin this psalm with. Go back to verse 1 here and look at how the psalmist begins for us. We do not know who wrote this psalm, but whoever it was, look at how it begins. May God be gracious to us. And bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Now, the audience at the time would have been Jewish worshipers of God. And this would be in a corporate sense. They're getting ready to praise God. And so this would be a psalm to help them praise God when the Jewish people would gather together. And knowing that audience, the author of this psalm begins with a very familiar quote to them. Because if you've heard this before, it's not just in Psalm 67. In fact, it comes from the book of Numbers and what's called the priestly blessing. I want you to see it on the screen. Numbers chapter 6, verse 23 is where this begins. This is a prayer of blessing that the priest would pray over the people. Numbers 6, 23. Speak to Aaron and his son, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them. So this is what the priests are supposed to say to bless the congregation of Israel. How they're supposed to pray to God. For God's people. Verse 24. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Sound familiar? Psalm 67 is pulling from this priestly blessing here. When the priest was praying this for the people, for God's people, he was really asking for four blessings in particular in the context at the time here. I want you to see this in Numbers what the blessings were that he had in view. The first blessing he was asking God to give to his people was the blessing of protection. The blessing of protection. Look at verse 24. The Lord bless you and keep you. 
Keep here means to guard or protect. So the priest is looking out over God's people and saying, God, look at your people and protect them. Guard them. He's asking for protection. The second blessing he's praying for is the blessing of grace. The blessing of grace. Look at verse 25. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. And notice this, be gracious to you. We talk about grace a lot. What is grace? It's unmerited favor. It's kindness that God gives to undeserving people. And so the priest here is praying for God's people and saying that, asking God to be gracious, to give kindness to people who don't deserve it, to give blessings, to give grace upon grace, to give this kindness and blessings to his people. So he prays for people to be protected by God. He prays for people to experience God's grace. But number three, he also prays for them to experience peace. He prays for peace. Look in verse number 26 here. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Now, this word peace is the word peace we've seen in the other Psalms. It's the word shalom. It's not just external peace, it's internal peace. It's wholeness, completeness. And so the priest is boldly asking God to look upon his people, to protect them, to give them grace, and to give them shalom, peace. But he asks for one more thing for them that's absolutely stunning in his request. And it's in verse number 25. Look back at verse 25 and number 6. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. He prays and asks for God to let his face shine upon his people. What in the world does that mean? With the time, think about kings. Think about the monarchs. And when someone would come have an audience with the king, when they walked in, the king could either smile or frown. If he smiled, that means he was pleased with you and you were welcomed into his presence. But if you walked before a king of a country and he frowned, that was a sign of displeasure and you were not welcomed in his presence. When it's saying here and praying for God's face to shine upon you, it's asking for God to welcome his people, to have an audience with the king. It's a bold prayer asking God, when you look upon your people, smile upon them, welcome them in your presence, be pleased with them. And friends, that's a stunning prayer that the priest was praying. God, look upon your people and joyfully give them yourself. Joyfully give them protection and grace and peace and all of these things. And friends, it was right and it was good for the priest in number six to be able to pray this for the people. But notice what changes. Go back to Psalm 67 because something changes here. It's not just the priests who are praying this now, but look back at the subtitle, verse zero, if you want to call it that at the beginning. So the choir master with stringed instruments, a psalm, a song. Now they've taken this familiar priestly blessing and applied it now so that all of the people of God can now pray this to God. This is not just for the priest to pray this for the people. This is for all the people of God to now sing as a song to God, a prayer in song form to God. And so look at verse 1, this familiar thing, may God be gracious, not to you now, may God be gracious to who? To who? Us. May God be gracious to us and bless who? And make his face shine upon who? Us. There we go. Yeah, this is God's people now able to ask God, would you bless us? Would you be gracious to us? Would you make your face to shine upon us? It's good and right for God's people to ask for his protection, to ask for his grace, to ask for his peace, to ask for his presence. Because think about this. A good earthly father delights when his children run to him and cry and say, Dad, I'm in danger. Help. A good earthly father delights when his child runs to him and says, Dad, I'm scared. Please be with me. A good earthly father delights in it. Even when a child comes to him and says, Dad, there's something I really want, but I don't have any way to get it myself. Would you help me? Earthly fathers love, who are good, love to delight in these things for their kids. How much more so 
is our perfect heavenly Father who's looked upon us and adopted us into his family, taken us his enemies, the people who had offended him and brought us in his presence. How much more so does he, does he take look upon those who he's made his own and delight in them when they run to him with their request? Hence, God's people have great confidence in making requests to God. Look at verse 6 here. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, might bless us if he's in a good mood today. No? God, our God, what's the next word? Shall. Like, you notice the confidence of the people here? They know they can approach God, and they can ask him for blessings, and God blesses his people. There's a certainty here. God shall. He certainly will bless us in this. In fact, they point to the earth has yielded its increase. They look at their prayers and requests for God to give them food, and they see God answering that, and so they're looking to even one tangible thing of knowing that God is answering their prayers for blessings. Friends, it is right and it is good for us as God's children to run to him as our father and tell him what we desire, to tell him what we need to ask for, his blessings. The problem is, friends, we often stop there. But that's only part of this psalm. Too often we take verse 1 and we stop with it. We love verse 1 because it's about us. It's about us being able to ask God for things and God giving us things on this. That's why if you visit many people's homes, you'll see verse 1 framed in people's houses, right? You'll see this. You can find a plethora of things online on different shops of Psalm 67.1 inscribed in beautiful prints and paintings, and it's available at Christian bookstores on that. The problem is verse 2 is normally left off from those frames and those prints because our hearts run to these things about God giving us stuff, and we miss verse 2 and what follows. Because, friends, if we stop at verse 1 don't include verse 2, we begin to treat God's blessings like they're ours to monopolize. And don't miss that. If you do verse 1 and you don't carry on the context of verse 2, we begin to see God's blessings stuff for me, 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 and we begin to monopolize the blessings of God in our lives. You ever done that? I know I have in my life. God gives us blessings, though, not for our selfish gain. They're given to us for a reason. God's blessings are not for us to use however we want. The important word here is the word stewardship. A steward is a person who is given something. They don't own it. The master owns it. But the master gives to a steward something that belongs to himself. And he entrusts it to the steward's care to use for a particular reason. And he will hold that steward accountable for what that steward does with what he has given to them. So a steward has a stewardship, something that's been entrusted to him. Friends, the blessings of God in our life is a stewardship. We are simply the stewards. We're not the owners of the blessings or things that God has given to us. Whether it's food, whether it's money, whether it's our homes, whether it's our clothes, whether it's our technology, cars, whatever else, everything we have is a stewardship that has come from God. I love how James chapter 1 verse 17 reminds us about what we have. It says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Friends, if you have clothes, it's because God has given it to you. If you have technology in your hands, it's because God has given it to you. If you have a car, it's because God has given it to you. If you have anything, it's because God in his kindness has blessed you with it. It doesn't belong to us. We're stewards of all of these things that God has given to us. Now, that is a hard reality check in our culture. We're a culture that loves autonomy, that loves thinking I'm the boss and I'm in charge of my destiny and my stuff. The problem is everything that we have is our stuff actually belongs to God. It's not ours. It's not mine. It belongs to the Lord. I've been entrusted with it to use a certain way. So that raises an important question for us. If God blesses us, 
And he gives us peace, and he gives us protection, and he gives us food, and he gives us all these other things that we've been asking for and that we typically pray about. What are we to do with all the blessings that we've asked for that God has given to us? And thankfully, we don't have to guess. God in his kindness shows us what he wants to do with it, all the blessings he gives to us. Look at verse 2. Notice that very first word of Psalm 67, verse 2. That. Don't miss that word, that. This is an important word. This is a purpose clause. It tells you the reason for something. We can pray for God to bless us for a particular reason, for a certain thing. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us so that we can achieve the American dream. So that we can have plenty of financial cushion and not have to worry. So that we can get the bigger, best thing and look really cool in our neighbor's eyes. That's not what we're told. God bless us and we can ask for all these blessings that God's people can rightly ask for, but for a reason. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us so that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all of the nations. Friends, verse 2 is so important here because it turns why God's people ask for blessings from it being about us to being about him and his purposes. We're blessed so that your way may be known. Your way. What is your way? Your path. What path? The path to God. We're praying for God to bless us so that we can make known the path to him. He blesses us so that we can show other people how to get to God. And kind of remind us, people are not born knowing how to get to God. People don't just wander into the right path to find God. Jesus spoke about this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. He actually describes a path and a way. Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are how many? Many. So many, the default path of humanity is the way that is easy, the way to destruction. But verse 14, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Because if we have found it by God's grace, if we're the few who found the, the narrow way, the narrow path to God, he now blesses us, not so we can amass more stuff for ourselves. He blesses us so that we can make known the only path to him, the path that in his grace he's shown us how to get through, the gate he's shown us to run through. Now in his grace and mercy, says, I'm going to bless you, not only because you're on that path, but because so you can point other people to this path as well. And what is the way to God? Well, we saw when we looked at John chapter 14, verse 6, two years ago in our study of the gospel of John. Jesus said to him, I am the what? Jesus is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Jesus is the way. So if you go back to Psalm 67, we're told that God has blessed us, and we can ask for more blessings so that his way is known in all the earth. Friends, God blesses us so we can make known Christ to the world. He blesses us so we can point people to the hope we found in Christ and show them how they can be reconciled to their creator. We're blessed so that we can make known his salvation. In fact, that's what verse 2 carries on to say. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power, your salvation among all of the nations. Remember in the Bible, nations means people groups, ethnic groups, not political boundaries, but among every distinct ethnic group, people group in the world, we're to be proclaiming the way, we're to be proclaiming Christ and using the blessings that he's given us to do so. And friends, this is for every follower of Christ. This is not just for missionaries that they do that. It's not just for pastors or elders or deacons. This is for anyone who knows Christ, anyone who's found the way, anyone who experiences blessings from God. We are now called and expected by God to use our blessings to make his way known in all of the earth. And friends, as we do that, by God's grace as we obey in that, God works through that and he begins to accomplish what he's intended. You remember we saw it two weeks ago, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 
verse 20. 2 Corinthians 5, 20, we're told we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. Now, that's important, friends. It's not our appeal. We're not inventing the message. God is doing the work, and we are simply the ones who are... God is working through. So as we take the blessings God has given us and we use them for his purposes, our confidence is not in our strategy or our winsomeness. Our confidence is God does the work through us. And because God's doing the work, some will believe. Some will begin to follow his way. Look at verse 3 of Psalm 67 here. As we take the blessings God has given us and he works through it, what happens, verse 3, let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. If we will, by God's grace, seek to be faithful, to use the blessings he's given us to make his way known, God will work through that, and he will begin to draw people to himself. And this is so important. The psalmist repeats that. Verse 5, Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. Well, wait, he just said that, and he says it again. He's in fact say the same idea in different words. Verse 7, God shall bless us, let all the ends of the earth fear him. Here, fear is a reverent worship. Let all the ends of the earth worship him, praise him, fear him. It's all the same idea. The psalmist is repeating himself not because he's forgetful. He's repeating himself because it's that important. He's wanting to make sure that we know that the blessings are not about us and our dreams. This is all about God's glory being known, about God being worshipped in all of the earth. And yes, friends, we do tell people about Jesus so they don't have to go to hell. That's part of it. And verse 4 reminds us of that. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity. God will judge all, everyone who is apart from Christ. And in our love for the world, we should love people enough to warn them of that. But that's not ultimate. We, yes, we should tell people about Jesus because we don't want them to go to hell. But more than that, we tell people about Jesus because we want God to be worshipped by them. We want God to get the glory. And we want them to find the joy of knowing God. God gives us his blessings so we can make him known so the world falls in love with him. So the world sees his beauty. So the world begins to worship him. I just want to remind us God deserves that worship. Flip over from it to Psalm 96. Psalm 96, just go ahead a few pages there. It's one that's not on our list to look at between now and the end of our study of Psalms, but I want you to see it this morning just for a moment because it ties in with everything we're talking about in Psalm 96 here. Why God blesses us and what our lives are supposed to be all about. Psalm 96, verse 1. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day today. Now, just stop there for just a second. Do you notice here the balance of us worshiping God? That's what we're made to do. We'll look at that in the next two weeks. And then telling others of his salvation day to day. We've been reconciled to God. We worship him, and now we point others to him as well. Now, verse 3. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the people. We have a calling. Our lives are about making Christ known. Why? Why? What follows in verse 4? Do we make Christ known because people need to hear him? Yes, but there's a bigger reason. Verse 4. 4. Here's the reason why we declare his glory. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord of families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. You see what the psalmist is pointing to here? We make Christ known to people who are not yet worshiping him because God deserves their worship. God alone is the creator. God alone is to be feared above all others. God alone has splendor and majesty. God alone has strength and beauty. He has a glory due to his name. And so we make him known to others. 
So let's kind of bring that together with all that we're seeing in the Psalms here. Let's put this together with the last several Psalms. Psalm 46, be still the rebuke and know that I am God. We're to be still, we're to stop what we're doing, and we're to commit ourselves to God being glorified in the whole world. Of this desire in our hearts that God gives us to see him worshipped in the whole world. But then Psalm 53, they've all fallen away. Our hearts begin to long for God to be worshipped, but we look upon the world and God is not being worshipped like he should. There's over 1.6 billion people who've never even heard the name of Jesus who never had a chance to become worshipers of him, not to count the billions of people who've heard and rejected as well. The world is broken, and so God stirs our hearts to see him worship Psalm 46. In Psalm 53, he breaks our hearts because the world is not worshiping him like he deserves. But then you come to Psalm 67, and what is God doing? As we see the brokenness of the world, we see the lost not worshiping God, he's now pushing us out. He's saying, look, I have blessed you with all these things, and you can ask for more blessings so that you can make me known to others. He stirs our hearts for him to be worshipped. He breaks our hearts for he's not being worshipped. Then he pours out his blessings upon blessings in our life so that we can then make him known to the world and call them to worship him. Friends, God gives us blessings in our life. Not for our selfish gain. He gives them so we can make him known. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. So friends, I want to ask you, do you want to be blessed by God? That didn't sound very confident. Do you want to be blessed by God? Yeah. Second question, are you already blessed by God? Friends, we have so many blessings. Every single one here has experienced the blessings of God. But that leads to the third question. What are we doing with those blessings? What are we doing with all the things that God has given to us? Friends, it's not bad for us to ask for more, but what is our heart motivation in asking for more? Are we asking God for more financial blessings so that we can give more to get the gospel to the nations? Friends, are we asking God for health because we want to have opportunities to build up the body and serve others and point people to Christ? Are we asking God for safety so that we have an opportunity to share Christ with that neighbor, that friend, that coworker, that student at school? Are we even asking God for a house so that we have a place to do ministry out of? Friends, it's not bad for us to ask for blessings. When we look at the blessings we have and the blessings we want, what are we doing with them? And what do we want to do with them? Friends, as we come to communion this morning, we have an opportunity to reflect on that. Because fundamentally this morning, we get to look at how can we even be blessed? Because, friends, how can we, people who have offended a holy God, even dare approach him and ask for blessings? Because that is absolutely stunning. I have offended God with my multitude of sin. You have offended God with your multitude of sin. We have all shaken our fist at God in so many ways and said, God, not your way, but my way today. How can we dare approach a holy God who will judge the people with equity and say, God, I want you to bless me? It's only because we stand covered in Christ's righteousness. As we come to communion this morning, we have an opportunity to reflect on the ultimate blessing we have, that is knowing Christ and being able to approach him. And I want to remind us, friends, how is that even possible? How is it even possible for us to be able to approach him? I want you to see on the screen Romans chapter 5 this morning. as so we prepare our hearts to not only think about the blessings we have, but also to reflect on how we're able to even ask God for blessings. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we save by him from the wrath of God? For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. How much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life? 
More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Friends, this prayer of Psalm 67 for us is only possible because Christ has forgiven us. Because when God looks at us, how can he smile at us and not frown? Because when he looks at us, he doesn't see all that sin that we bring to the table. Christ took care of it. When Christ died on the cross, all of my sin got nailed to the cross. And friends, if you were in Christ, all your sin was put on the cross. You never have to fear the wrath of God because your sin was carried by Christ. But more than that, and we don't want to miss this part too, when Christ died for us, not just was our sin forgiven, but all of Christ's righteousness got given to us. So when you walk into the throne room of God saying, God bless us and make your face shine upon us, he can smile at you because he sees Christ covering you. He doesn't see us in ourself and all of our sin. He sees not just our sin forgiven, he sees us covered in Christ's righteousness. So we can dare, I mean, this is a bold psalm in Psalm 67, we can dare walk into his throne room of the great I am, the Alpha and the Omega, the infinite God, and say, God bless us so that your way is known on all the earth. And he doesn't frown and strike us dead in judgment that we deserve that. Because Christ's body was broken on our behalf. His blood was poured out. He took the whole wrath of God against all of our sins. You see, friends, God is so holy and so perfect, he can't overlook sin. He can't say, oh, I like you and I like her and... I'll just kind of ignore that. He is so holy and so perfect, he must judge every sin. And either we bear it and are separated from him eternally, or Christ bears it on our behalf. And if you're in Christ, communion is a reminder to you that Christ has borne it for you. That his body was broken, his blood was poured out so that you could be forgiven, so you could receive all of Christ's righteousness, and you could be reconciled and restored to a right relationship with him. Friends, that's how it's possible for us to approach God and ask for his blessings because Christ has made a way. So friends, if you are in Christ, you are welcome to come receive this morning. If you know that Christ has died for your sins, if you are believing in him and trusting him alone as your Lord and Savior, you know that you've been restored to a right relationship with God, you are welcome to come celebrate, to see the bread and be reminded that his body was broken, to drink the juice and be reminded his blood was poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And friends, I do want to say, if you've never trusted Christ, you're not confident that Christ alone is your Lord and Savior, just please stay where you're seated when we do this. No one's going to embarrass you. No one's going to shame you. No one's going to look at you funny. This is only for those who are confident they're a child of God and they belong to Christ. And I'd encourage you just to stay where you are and use this time to say, God, I'm not sure what I believe. Show yourself to me. And friends, if you're in Christ, you're welcome to come celebrate and, rem- and remind yourself of what God has done for you. But with that as well, as you reflect on how we have our salvation. I want you to also ask this morning as you take communion, because there's no rush in this, to ask God, God, you've blessed me so much. How am I using the blessings that you've given to me? Communion is a time of reflection as well. It's a chance for us to ask the Lord, is there any unconfessed sin in my life? Perhaps one that we all should pause on this morning and say, God, I'm reminded of how much you've blessed me. Am I using the blessings the way that you've intended? And ask the Holy Spirit to search our hearts. And if we see areas where we're not, to confess it to him and to receive the sweet forgiveness he has and to ask him for grace upon grace to take the blessings he's given us and use them so that his way can be known in all the earth. In just a minute, friends, I'm going to pray for us. And then our praise team is going to come receive communion. And then our deacons will direct you as you come to the front to receive the bread and receive the juice. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we're so grateful for your great grace. Lord, to think that you looked upon wretched sinners like us, and Lord, instead of condemning us, you made a way for us to be restored to a right relationship with you. Lord, how precious that is. You've given us the greatest blessing. You've given us new life in Christ. Lord, I pray today for myself and for each brother or sister here who knows Christ, 
But God, as we take communion, as we receive the bread and the juice, God, that you will fill our hearts with awe and wonder and thankfulness for all that you've done. That we deserve nothing from you except for wrath. And yet you've given us blessing upon blessing upon blessing. And Lord, for those of us who do know you, as we celebrate this morning and have this time of worship, Lord, I do pray this morning, Lord, that you would be just stirring our hearts with thankfulness. We also pray for the sweetness of conviction as well, Lord. If we've not been using the blessings you've given to us the way you designed, if we've not been stewarding well what you've given to us, God, I pray you might give us that that gentle, sweet conviction today, Lord, to lead us to a place of confession of that sin and running back to you, Lord, because you desire to grow us and change us and transform us. And we will give you all the praise, Lord, for what you've done and what you will do, Lord, because your name is great and greatly to be praised. And we ask it all in Jesus' name.